Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest edition of Getting There, eSchool News Conversations with Tech Directors, focusing on their solutions during the transition to remote learning and other aspects uh, of reacting to uh, the global pandemic. Uh, my name is Kevin Hogan, I'm your host, and with me today, Phil Hintz. Phil, how are you? I'm doing great, how are you? Good, uh, Phil, you and I know each other for a long time. You're a long time uh, advisor. Uh, at my time with Tech and Learning, uh, spoke at a lot of our events. Uh, I know you're also heavily involved with the COSIN organization uh, and uh, your, your local state level uh, organization that maybe you can talk a little bit about. Uh, but as we speak today, you are in a new role and maybe you can kind of start us off uh, talking about that and where you are and what the district and, and what it's all about. Sure, sure. Well, uh, as of uh, four, day, uh, four days, five days into this new role, I'm at the new director of student information for Barrington School District 220, which Barrington is a uh, suburb of Chicago, a western suburb of Chicago, made up of about 9,000 students, maybe a little more than 9,000 students, uh, kindergarten through 12th grade, uh, 12, 12 or 13 schools. I'm still adding those up right now, but uh, uh, in a new role, uh, it's kind of like the CIO uh, being uh, information uh, specialist. Um, so it's not the director of technology, it's not the CTO position anymore, but um, it's, a, it's a different role that allows me to do different things uh, than I've done in the past. For the past 14 years, I was in the CTO role and I was uh, having to manage all of technology. Now I'm only managing an aspect of technology for the school district, which is, is pretty awesome. Um, I would consider it one-tenth of the, of the job that I used to have to do, yet it's at a much larger school district than I've been in the past. So um, the other nine-tenths are made up pretty quickly. So. Yeah. So the past few weeks, I've been uh, speaking to your colleagues uh, about what they've had to do to just basically keep things together uh, after the spring break and try to get kind of lit towards the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. um, you're kind of in a unique position being four days in at, at a new, so you're just kind of facing forward. Uh, sure. So I was thinking that you might have some interesting perspectives there. Uh, give us a little a fly on the wall in terms of both, sure. both the day-to-day -day and maybe some long-term strategies uh, as we look forward to um, what the fall is going to bring. Right. Well, um, being in Illinois, um, which as, as of the time of this recording, you know, uh, a lot of things are happening in the southern states. But Illinois has taken a cautious approach um, to reopening and, and uh, across the board. We're in what we call phase four. Um, phase five would eventually be uh, a, a vaccine for COVID-19. So phase four is pretty darn close and we haven't had to reclose and our numbers continually go down every day. So that includes Chicagoland and everything. So by people wearing masks and doing all the things that everybody doesn't want to do, but is doing it for the good of the cause, um, we've achieved the results we hope to from way back when. That being said, um, the state of Illinois released uh, approximately two, maybe three weeks ago at the most, guidelines for reopening school um, for the fall of 2020, the 2021 school year. Um, and so those guidelines came out. It was about a 60 page document. Funny thing is, is I, I talked to a tech director in Alabama, um, Stacy Royster, I believe her name is, and she uh, actually said, hey, the document we got from our state of Alabama actually points to the Illinois document. <laughs> so, um, so apparently it's being used as a model for reopening schools. Um, 
from that, we've had to customize, obviously, and make it fit for our, our school district. And so um, we've made the call, and, and we're about to put out a survey as of next week, um, uh, survey out to our parents. We've already surveyed, surveyed our parents in the spring, asking them, you know, hey, how do you feel about going back to school? What are your thoughts? And, you know, do you want to send your kids back? Do you, are you scared to send your kids back? And from that survey, we realized that about 80% of our, of our parents want their kids to be in school next year. So that still leaves another 20%. So now for planning purposes, we need to send out a survey um, next week that basically fine tunes that and says, okay, are you or aren't you sending your kids to school? And, um, and if you are, um, if you have multiple kids in your family, are some of those kids going to stay home? Because maybe that doesn't, one size fits all doesn't, doesn't work for your family. Maybe you have a child with special needs or special health concerns and you want to hold them back, but your other kids, they can go. Or maybe they're younger children you want to hold back and the high school kids you want to send because you have no problem doing that. So we need to know that for every single child. That coupled with the other information is, okay, if you are sending your kids to school, are you comfortable with sending your kids to school on a district provided transportation, like a school bus or a school van or whatever? Um, so we need that decision process so we can plan our routes and plan who's going to be uh, riding and, and, and not riding and how many buses we're actually going to need in service all the time. Then we can plan the social distancing on that bus and all of that. So th those two pieces of information are critical right now for us. And what will ultimately happen, Kevin, is, um, you know, if a parent says, you know what, I don't want to send my child uh, to third grade and my child was supposed to have Miss Johnson, for example, for her third grade teacher, um, but I decided I didn't want to send my kid uh, to school for in-person, I want virtual instruction instead, then we as a school district are going to say, well, your, your child is not going to be in Miss Johnson's class because she's teaching all the in-person kids. You're going to have teacher XYZ because they are the virtual teacher, if you will. So, yeah. We're going to run kind of a blended learning or blended schedule um, where the kids that have opt the parents who have opted out of instruction uh, of in school face to face instruction, parents that have opted out of that will get still get a full instruction by a, a teacher. It'll just be virtual, but it may not necessarily be the same teacher that they thought they were going to have in the first place. Right. So, so while this is uh, giving a, a flexibility to uh, either being remote or being in, in person. Um, but there will just be re restrictions in terms of which faculty. So it's not every classroom is going to have a camera in it and you can go into Miss Johnson's or not, <laughs> right. right? It's yeah. not going to be that. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about the, uh, the differences between secondary and primary when it comes to this sort of stuff. Is it um, at the high school level, is this a, an easier task than, say, the, the, the second graders? It, it will be. Um, we are fortunate. We are a one-to-one -one iPad district. Um, and, uh, you know, we're very fortunate that every student has an iPad. Every student has um, online access, whether we provided it or not. So we've crossed that hurdle through the, through the course of this last semester, um, obviously for the, through the spring. So we know who has connect connectivity. Everybody has connectivity. Now. So I, a lot of schools can't say that. They're, they're yeah. working on, on that process. So we know we can deliver a virtual instruction versus a non-virtual uh, instru instruction. That being said, um, you know, one of the big issues is first-time kindergartners or first-time students in our district. 
um, we expect that some of our parents are going to say, you know, I'm going to hold off a year because right now in Illinois, it's not mandatory that um, you send your child to kindergarten. Uh, and so uh, they can hold off, you know, or, or it's, there's not a mandatory, mandatory age to send to kindergarten. Eventually they'll have to go to kindergarten, but they can hold off a year. They can hold them back a year if they choose. So we may end up having double the amount of kindergartens next year, uh, section wise. Right. Uh, other than that, upper grades beyond kindergarten um, who have never done school before, much less virtual school before, uh, all the other grades have at least experienced this last semester and beyond. So, um, <laughs> so the uh, yeah. So ultimately, I ended up. Um, I'm sorry, we had, I had somebody at my door. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> so. Uh, the difference between you know elementary and, and high school, yeah, it's going to be easier for high school. Yeah, uh, they're used to it. So, talk a little bit about um, how you plan to assess students uh, yeah. remotely versus in person. Is that is that going to be a sort of difference? Uh, well, and that's one thing that the state of Illinois put their foot down on, and that is they want as rigorous of education, whether it be virtual or not. Um, so no longer, you know, we, we were able to get the waivers in the, in the, in the spring for pass fail and that sort of thing. No, no grades necessary or whatever grade, you know, if you're in high school, whatever grade you had going into the pandemic, that's, you can only raise your grade. You can't go any lower. Yeah. So that's how it was. But now this next school year, it's going to be, Hey, you're either virtual school or non-virtual school. And all the rules are the same after that, all the assessments, you know, as far as we know, are going to be the same. Um, uh, it depends on, obviously, in high school level when they start taking some of the, you know, the college entrance exams, the AP exams, and that sort of thing, uh, how, what that's going to look like, if that's going to be virtual or not, um, or what they're going to allow. Uh, but as, as far as we know, school uh, should be as rigorous and graded um, the same, regardless if it's virtual or not. Yeah. A little bit earlier, you, you, you said the phrase that uh, schools no longer uh, one size fits all. Um, do you see any um, positives out of that, that new reality? I mean, I know for a long time, you have been an advocate for the use of technology in distance learning. Uh, I'll always remember you had that video about the, uh, you know, the, the, the virtual snow day and the, the advocating for that sort of learning doesn't have to stop just because you can't yeah. get to school and where you are, there are times where you can't get to school for several days. Right. 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 Oh. Um, so have you seen any positives come out of this just even in terms of that recognition at a grand scale uh, for the things that you've thought about for years? Um, you know, uh, obviously teachers um, have had to, have had to kind of reboot <laughs> and do things a little differently and, uh, and get comfortable with things that they normally weren't comfortable. That one of the positives is they've all had to embrace technology whether they like it or not. And uh, they still may not like it, but they still have to do something with it. If they, you know, if they're going to be continue to be an educator in our district, they're still going to have to, to adapt. And, and, and that's the, one of the nice things about what we're choosing to do with virtual versus in school is some we're going to take advantage of the teachers who are really good at, at, at virtual learning. You know, we're hoping that those are the ones that are going to step up to the plate and say, I'll take the, the third grade class that is going to be all virtual instead of, um, so we're hoping that and we can, you know, improve upon that. Um, when I said one size 
doesn't fit all, <laughs> that type of thing. Um, the, the rigor has to be just as important, but um, back when I was doing snow days, uh, virtual snow days, one of the things we told teachers back then was to, um, to basically uh, think outside the box. Um, think, out, think outside the four walls. So for example, if you're teaching a math lesson and it requires fractions, for example, a virtual lesson could lend itself to the materials at home, which could be chocolate chips and measuring cups and flour and, uh, and hey, we're gonna produce a chocolate chip cookie and that's part of the lesson, but we're gonna learn math in that process. Right. And so that's really an opportunity to, to have a, a flexible learning environment in the virtual uh, sense. You know, obviously as, as an in-person, we, we're always trying to um, have flexible learning environments and, and really be able to tailor every student's education to their, their unique needs. Um, but virtual, we also want to kind of think that way and, and then take advantage of the, of the manipulatives and the things that are not typically in schools, you know. Um, for example, shoveling snow uh, gets your aerobic heart rate up, so therefore that could be your PE class. <laughs> right, right, right. How about um, when you look forward? And so, you know, best case scenario, things go back to normal. If not this year, then next year. Uh, how many of these new technology setups do you think will remain in place? I mean, uh, do you see these things as a stopgap or – is this this moment where we really truly do reinvent things? I honestly believe it's a reinvention. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you will, a revolution in some ways. I mean, if you, if you, if you look to higher education, uh, Harvard just the other day made the de determination that they are, all classes will be online. And if freshmen want to come on campus, they can come on campus, you know. But they're still not going to attend an on-campus class, they're still going to have to do it virtual, whether they're sitting in their dorm room or sitting at, back at home. You know, I think we're going to see more of that. And, um, and I think that's a positive because as you think of the unique uh, learning needs for every student, and, and that includes social and emotional learning, um, I think we're, we have a unique opportunity to really meet the social and emotional needs of students uh, in a different way. Um, and, and be able to supply them with the resources, whether it be virtual or in person, um, we can really tailor every student's education. I've always been a propo proponent of every student needs an IEP. <laughs> they all need an individual education plan, whether they are special education students or not. Um, we should be doing that for all students. Every teacher should be doing that. And that's a tough job. I, I totally get that is, is to act as though you're the, the teacher of one all the time um, and now you've got 30 of those ones but you're still teacher of one at 30 times yeah uh, or whatever the number is that you have in your class I, I really think that this allows for that to happen allows for that differentiation to truly happen we always talk about differentiation of instruction but this is forcing the issue yeah so. yeah it's kind of like a personalized learning on steroids right it really is. It truly is personalized yeah. for a change. Yeah. <laughs> Not just personal devices, but personalized delivery and, and um, acceptance of it as well. Yeah. What about the, um, the, is there a change in dynamic with parents? I mean, they've all kind of become instant t teaching assistants, right? Yeah, that's, that's um, you know, we've seen how that's played out thus far, and it's been real stressful for a lot of parents. Um, 
and and them not knowing whether they're they're have a job or not and those that do have a job they're doing it at home in front of their kids side by side with their kids you know that's that's the obviously the new normal that I think you're, you're speaking of and that's still yet to play out on how that's going to be accepted and um, and possibly the new future I do I have talked to parent a number of parents who said you know um, even though I I kind of hated the idea of having to be my my child's teacher at the same time the time that I've had with my, my student and seeing what they go through on a day-to-day -day basis and the time that they've seen what mommy and daddy do on a day-to-day -day basis has been really an eye-opener on both sides of the, of the coin. Um, and uh, I think some parents are enjoying that fact that they've had more time with their, with their kids. Uh, so that's, that's kind of interesting. I, I saw a tweet the other, or actually this morning talking about, uh, I think it was Jamie Kasef that mentioned it, uh, about uh, a new profession out there that's, uh, that's going to be really big, and that is dogs uh, or animal uh, uh, therapies out there. Because our animals, who, who are used to seeing people go and leave for work all day and then come back, and they're used to not seeing their their people for eight hours a, a day, you know, they're, now they're seeing them, and so now yeah. they're going to have to go through therapy when and if those people go back to work. Right. So right. I think it's the same thing with kids in some ways. This, as we go back. In, in 2021 school year, as we as we return to school, as, as our as our president is pushing really hard, um, that's you know that's going to look different, and and everybody's going to respond differently. This is still yet to play out. So, well, Phil, uh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, sounds like you have some really great stuff going on at, at your new district, and I hope you don't mind if I follow up with you as the school year begins. Sure, I would love it. That'd be awesome. Great. Thanks again. Thanks.